Hi, Lolly. Hi, Rachel. How are you? Uh, I'm all right. Um, okay, so this is our first episode of our new podcast called Crime and Wine. Um, wine being a play on words, like <laughs> whining. And yeah, we're not actually drinking wine right now because it's not noon yet. But I mean, I was I was ready to go and grab myself a cider, but okay. You go. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. No, right, actually, don't start? don't get up right now. <laughs> okay, okay. Are you gonna start? Um, in a minute. Um, Gary's sleeping. I took him to the vet this morning. And how did that go? They shaved him a bit. No way. Let me see him. I can't turn it because you're in prime spot, but they they took little samples of him and he was so scared and he was doing little whimpers. And then I was like, I had said to them, like, you know, Gary has um, been making these weird sounds at night. Um, I know he doesn't have a breathing problem. I think it's just like out of sadness. And then they weighed him and they're like, it could just be the weight gain. And I was like, oh, (laughs) this is so rude. Is that, is that what it is? Did they establish that like, he's it just must gay be. He's, he's got the lockdown weight, so we're going to have to take him on more walks, even though we're Story walking a lot. Yeah. Of my life. Um, sorry, we didn't even talk about what this podcast is. So basically, um, so we both have degrees in psych mm-hmm. and criminology. Well, I'm almost done with my... No, I'm not almost done. I'll be done in... in September which is like forever away but we are fascinated by true crime and um we're just going to talk about each week um it could be murder it would be um money laundering war um I don't know any any kind of story right yeah anything anything that we find interesting and think our listeners might find interesting too yeah, is going to be and if you don't, then you don't have to listen, and whatever. <laughs> Lolly and I were going to be having this call anyway, so. I can see him. I can see him. Hi, Gary! Hello, monsieur. Oh, baby. He was so scared. They gave him a lot of treats. They're really nice, but, you know, okay. you, you can't go in because of the virus. Well, you couldn't go in. I couldn't go into the the room where they were shaving him. I had to stand outside there, and he just looked at me oh, like no. I have done the biggest betrayal. Poor baby. I know. Um, should I? Should I? Do you want me to start? Yeah, please, please. You, you go ahead. Okay. I thought that I would start with. Okay, so I'm doing my final research project, which mm-hmm. after this I need to really get to work um on that but i'm doing it on i don't know if i told you on um de-radicalization programs for yeah yes yeah. um mm-hmm. and i'm comparing the programs from sweden the uk and the united states i think i haven't finalized it yet but to cool. start it off i wanted to do the london bridge stabbings from 2019 okay which you probably remember and weirdly enough they happened on my birthday Okay, right. Right. Okay. I didn't know yeah. that, but I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> November 29th, everyone. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. 
let me see where I should begin with this. All right. <clears throat> so the London Bridge stabbings and feel free to, uh, you know, interrupt me with whatever questions you have. Okay. Cool. So on this day, November 29th, 2019, five people were stabbed, two being fatalities. So the attacker, his name is Usman Khan. And he had been released from prison in 2018 after serving um, a sentence for terrorist offenses. He was attending an offender rehabilitation conference in Fishmongers Hall. I don't know if you know where that is. Um, it, it is said that Khan sat quietly during the celebration event. He attended storytelling and writing workshops, even giving feedback on one. Um, and then he suddenly um, was threatening to detonate a suicide vest he was wearing, uh, which turned out to actually be fake. Um, he then began attacking people with two knives that were taped to his wrists. Um, so, okay, I didn't say. So he's sitting in, the, in this, you know, in this workshop. And then uh -huh. I guess he got up and went to the bathroom or something. Yeah. Um, people said he was missing for, for a few minutes and then, um, um, he came out and has knives taped to his wrist. Like, it's like, can you imagine like Edward Scissorhands, like, That's coming terrifying. like, why tape them to your wrists? Like, what do you do next when someone walks into the room like that? What do you do? I mean, I would run, but some, I don't know. I yeah, would probably do nothing. I would probably just stand there in shock because yeah. I, I don't know if my fight or flight. No, I'd panic. I know I wouldn't be able to run. So I'd be like, cool. I guess this is what's happening. Yeah. I would just be like, bye lolly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So he comes out Edward Scissorhand style out of the bathroom and like with knives taped to his wrist. Um, and some people fought back one attacking him with a fire extinguisher and someone else attacking him with a narwhal tusk, which... And where did they get that from? Was I, it just from the room? I don't know. I couldn't find more information on that. Okay. All I right. Looked, so he's, he's come with a tusk? He, somebody has a tusk, which is okay. like... Yeah. Um, so, but this didn't work, okay? So he fled the building and he ended up on the London Bridge where he was partially disarmed by plainclothes police, police officers and he was restrained by members of the public until more police officers arrived. But he got away from the people restraining him, and he was shot dead. And later in his autopsy, it showed that there was some occasional cocaine use, which is like, okay, like, that could be anyone. Um, exactly. Like, <laughs> tell me it's something. Tell me something that matters. <laughs> okay, so that's his, that's the event. Okay, so let me tell you about this. Usman Khan, piece of shit guy. Okay. Um, I couldn't find that much about him, but this is what I have, okay? So he was born March 10th, 1991 in Stoke-on-Trent. Okay. In the UK. Do you know where that is? I, I think my geography is not great, but yeah, I've heard of, I think I've been Stoke-on-Trent. For what? Mm, maybe I was just going through on the train, but what I'm saying is I've been there. Okay, so he was born there. He was born there um, to Pakistani immigrant parents. 
Mm-hmm. Um, he spent some of his teenage years in Pakistan and apparently traveled to the federally administered tribal areas, which is a former semi-autonomous tribal region in northwestern Pakistan, Pakistan mm-hmm. that existed from 1947 until being merged with the neighboring province Khyber Pakhtunkhwa. Did I'm not saying? Yeah. I'm not saying that okay. right. Um, is that is that how it's spelled? You just speak okay. Yeah. If anyone does know how to pronounce that, they can kindly, please kindly write in and yeah. tell us how that is. Um, and so uh, he was traveling there from 2018, apparently. Um, and since 9-11, the tribal areas are a major um, theater of militancy and terrorism. Um, and what did I say? Yeah. And so he'd been traveling there. Sorry. Um to Pakistan before his arrest in 2010. But before 2010, in 2008, Khan's childhood home in Stoke-on-Trent was raided by counter-terrorist police. Um, He was even interviewed by BBC and he denied being a terrorist. And at this time, he was 17 years old. And following this, there was a 20-month investigation and they they found insufficient evidence to charge him with a crime. So that's 2008, okay? Now, mm-hmm. back to 2010. Are you with me? Yeah, I'm with you, I'm with you, I'm with you, I'm following. Okay, so back to 2010, Khan returned from Pakistan and was one of nine men arrested who were the focus of MI5 anti-terror Operation Guava, and they all pleaded guilty in 2010 to Al-Qaeda-inspired terrorism offenses, which I don't know if it, if he was arrested in 2010, I guess he was being held in two, until 2012 when they... Yeah, I assume so. I I hope that was the case. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure he wasn't just, like, hanging around. Right in the streets. Yeah. So this is what he... Him and the nine men um, um, pleaded guilty to, okay? The plans included... Plans to bomb the London Stock Exchange. Okay. Right. Okay. Good thing they didn't. GameStop is still going. Um, they wanted, you didn't get that one. No, no, I didn't. Oh my God. <laughs> okay. You know about GameStop right now and like the GameStop stock has gone up no. so much because, okay. No. We'll come back to it. We'll come back to it. We'll, we'll, we'll circle back. Um, 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 they wanted to bomb the houses of parliament, the U.S. embassy, two rabbis at two synagogues, unsure which synagogues. Okay. That's terrifying. The Dean of St. Paul's Cathedral, the home of then London Mayor Boris Johnson. Um, They wanted to build a terrorist training camp in land Khan's family owns in Pakistan-administered Kashmir. Mm -hmm. They attended terrorism-related operational meetings, Mm -hmm. prepared to travel abroad, and Mm -hmm. assisted others in traveling abroad for terrorist activities. So... Have they just listed all of this somewhere? I'll get to that. So MI5, after all this, has them listed as low to medium threat level. No way. Yeah. So back then, he was 20 years old and he was secretly, um, he was secretly recorded by MI5 saying that there were only three possible outcomes. Victory, martyrdom, or prison. And he pleaded guilty to all of this. Um, and so this was all found on a handwritten note in his house. 
who writes that down on a note and thinks, you know what, I'm just going to store this in my house somewhere? Yeah, I don't know who has the energy. It's like I can barely cook myself dinners. Imagine you're like <laughs> your mom is like, hey, honey, like, can you go out and like get some eggs? And you're like, okay, you have your grocery list. You're like, eggs, milk. Oh, right, bomb house of parliament. Exactly. Boris exactly. Johnson. Yeah, so MI5 found this on a, on a little piece of paper, handwritten note in his house, okay? <clears throat> yeah. So in addition to this, he admitted to terrorism fundraising and possession of the Al-Qaeda magazine Inspire. Inspire. Yeah, it sounds like a magazine name from like 13 going on 30. Exactly. Like, I don't remember what, do you know what movie I'm talking about? Yeah, Columbus, oh my God, yeah. I think it, those, it was like Sparkle and like inspire inspire yeah <laughs> and you just have like um usman khan on the front um <clears throat> not not funny um okay following his arrest khan was known as an expert in field craft which i didn't know what that is but it is techniques involved in living traveling or making military or scientific observations in the field and using methods to do so. So, aka, it's the heart, the art of evading monitoring by the police and security services. Right. So, okay. like, you know, like those guys who know how to make themselves kind of camouflage, and then mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, will like sit in a bush with a sniper rifle for ten Ex- hours yeah, or something. Yeah, for ten hours. Um, so he's said to be an expert in this, which I don't know how much of an expert he is if he's caught and wrote all this down on a note. But yeah, he clearly wasn't listening in class. Hey, that's just me. Um, okay, back to so now his sentence in 2012 was an indeterminate sentence. So, which means that like they just didn't put like an end date um, for how many years he was being sentenced to. So mm. he appealed the sentence and it was squashed in 2013. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then Lord Justice Levison found the decision it's a very serious name found the, the decision to be wrongly characterized as more dangerous than he actually was and his term that he was sentenced to 16 years in prison was then lowered to eight years eight years why would you half the sentence for someone who's committed those kind of crimes he hadn't committed them yet. He was just... He was on his way there. And just, so they thought, do you know what? Let's give him eight years and let him out and maybe see if he'll do them afterwards. Yeah. it's It gets worse. So then in 2012, he, he asked to write a letter to the Home Office mm-hmm. asking if he could take part in the de-radicalization program, which, you know... I look at it and I'm like, okay, great. He's like, I, I want to become de-radicalized. But then it's like, what's the motivation behind him reaching out and doing that? Like, is it pure? Which obviously not because we know that he died on the London Bridge and killed yeah. two people and stabbed five people. Oops, sorry. Um, so the letter says this. And mind you, okay, yeah, yeah. I'll just read you the letter. I would like to do such a course so I can prove to the authorities, my family and society in general, that I don't carry the views I had before my arrest. And also I can prove that at the time I was immature and now I am much more mature and want to live my life as a good Muslim and also a good citizen of Britain. I have learned that many of my past beliefs came from my misinterpretations of Islam. The young man wrote to his probation officer. Okay. There were many gaps 
in my knowledge, but now I'm on new path and I'm learning to become a good Muslim. I would like a chance to prove to you that I will not cause harm to nobody in our society. They should have known the double negative there. Exactly. The they should have known. If he said anybody, then you say, sure. But he wrote, cause harm to nobody. Right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, for years, he wrote letters from jail assuring... Um, officials that he no longer embraced radical Islamic ideology and he felt deep remorse about his membership in the Al-Qaeda inspired cell that had planned to carry out attacks in Britain. Yeah. I mean, they should have straight away known that was his way out and that he didn't mean any of it. Yeah, he was lying. During his time in custody, he completed the Healthy Identity Intervention Program, which later became the UK's principal rehabilitation scheme for terrorist convicts. He was considered a success story for Cambridge Cambridge University's rehabilitation program and was even featured as a case study. Oh my gosh. I know. Um, Khan had befriended and helped... um, had been befriended and helped by Cambridge University rehabilitation employees whom he later murdered. It was also reported that Cambridge was considering admitting him as an undergraduate. No way. I mean, that's, it's insane. This story's insane. I, I, like I can, I barely got into college. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So to save themselves, uh, the parole board said it had no involvement with Khan's release, adding that he appears to have been released automatically on license, which means as required by law, yeah. without ever being referred to the board. So they were just like, oh, it's been eight years. Time is up. Let's not review this. Let's just let him out because that's it. Yeah, because it's his time to go. Off you go. Off you go. Good luck. But I mean, from 16 to eight years. Anyway. Um, after the murders in April 2020, the CTC Sentinel published a paper over the extent to which fear of recidivism was overblown and mm-hmm. argued that less than 5% of terrorists such as Khan attack again. Um, Little did they know. I don't know. I don't know if that's like correct, uh, math, but uh, what did they say? How many, what's the percentage? Five. Less, five. less than five um, attack again after going through these rehabilitation programs. I mean, I wonder how many people are going on the rehabilitation programs. I'll be able to tell you that in, in more detail after I do a lot more reading. Um, okay, so that's as much information that I could get on him, okay? So okay. then the two victims were two recent Cambridge graduates who believed passionately in prison rehabilitation and threw themselves into a program that educates inmates, aiming to give them hope and reduce their odds of reoffending. The first or the first victim I'll tell you, her name was Saskia Jones. She was 23 from Stratford upon Avon in the West Midlands. She volunteered with Cambridge's Learning Together program after graduating with a master's in philosophy. She had recently applied for a police recruitment program and planned to specialize in victim support. 
Friends and relatives described her as warm, determined, and dedicated to the idea that inmates should have opportunities to reform and build the foundations for productive lives. Her family described her as funny, kind, and a positive influence, adding that her death would leave a huge void in their lives and that she always wanted to see the best in people. So sad. Yeah. And then the other victim is Jack Merritt, who's 25, from Cottenham near Cambridge. Um, he was a program coordinator who began working with Learning Together and also had his master's in, philo- in philosophy. Uh-huh. A tribute from his friends states, You were quite simply the best thing, completely golden. Your voice won't be lost. His family remembered him as a man who lived by his principles. He believed in redemption and rehabilitation, not revenge, and he always took the side of the underdog. Jack was an intelligent, thoughtful, and empathetic person who was looking forward to building a future with his girlfriend, Leanne, and making a career helping people in the criminal justice system. Jack Merritt's family pleaded that this not be used to score political points or justify a tougher approach to criminal justice. They said, we know Jack would not want this terrible, isolated incident to be used as a pretext by the government for introducing even more draconian sentences on prisoners or for detaining people in prison for longer than necessary. And then this, these murders all came two weeks before an election where Prime Minister Boris Johnson called for longer sentences and stricter standards for early release. Jack Merritt's father, David, criticized the tabloids and wrote on Twitter, don't use my son's death and his and his colleague's photo to promote your vile propaganda. Jack stood against everything you stand for. Hatred, division, ignorance. And that is the story of Usman Khan and the London Bridge stabbings. It's such an upsetting story. Yeah. It's horrible. It always feels like it hap- it's like you look back and you're like, well, yeah, like they could have like just reviewed him into that. Exactly. Like, yeah. At his release. And I don't know, like somebody didn't do their job and they didn't, you know, I, I mean, I believe in rehabilitation as well. Mm, I, definitely. Like, I don't think that the way the American prison systems are run, I mean, they're they're not based on rehabilitation at all they're just based on like punishing but yeah but that's the topic we're going to talk about because that one's definitely going to come up yeah that's definitely going to come up yeah so it's just it's just sad it's really sad a 23 year old and a 25 year old just trying to help like they knew him and he killed them yeah and they're just kids what a horrible world we live in, Rachel. I know. I don't think I can bring kids in this world. It's enough just having Gary walk through the streets. Gary. I wish you guys could see him right now. He is so cute. He's a precious boy. He's so adorable. Yeah, so they took samples from his... So Gary has a little, like, cyst kind of thing that's been growing. And, but so they, and they think that's because of weight gain? No. So it's either okay. benign or it's cancerous. No, so Rachel. they took samples. They had to t- put a little needle in three different times and like take okay. little cells out, and they have to send it to the lab, which was a ton of money. And um, 
Gary was doing this like little whimpering sound when they were taking the, but he was really brave. He looks really peaceful right now. He looks happy. He looks like a happy boy. It's the stress has made him tired. <laughs> oh, Gary. Right. Okay, okay, okay. Should I tell you my story, Rachel? Yes. It's not but, very but, if, but is there anywhere you can put your phone that is not, like, moving? Is it moving loads? Only every second. Can you, can you hear the noise of it moving? Yes, I can. No way! Yes. Oh, my God. Okay, okay, okay. Wait, hold on, hold on. Okay. Sorry, we're recording not together because virus. Good old coronavirus. Okay, maybe if I put it here. Wait, wait. Maybe if I put it here. Is that okay? Yeah, whatever. As long as it's just not like falling around, falling over and stuff. Um, I try. Thing is, I tried to mute myself, and I thought you know I was successful, but clearly not. So sorry. Yeah, sorry guys. Sorry about that, guys. Okay, so. I'm going to tell you about a lady called Paige Birdfield. Birdfield? Sorry if I've said that wrong. Um, Paige Birdfield and Rob Dixon were married and lived in a beautiful home in... Oh, my God. I've forgotten where they live. Okay, I'm just going gonna, gonna to start again. Okay. okay. So we're going we're gonna to talk about Paige. <laughs> Paige was... <laughs> So Paige was a 30-year-old soccer, 32-year-old soccer mom. And oh my god, why am I why can't I do this right now? It's fine. Just go. But Okay, just... I've literally read the story so many times. Okay, okay, okay. So Paige was a soccer mom and she lived happily with her husband Rob Dixon. They lived a beautiful life. They've been married for eight years and they were rich and loving life. Um, eventually Paige expressed to her friend that she was unhappy and that Rob had been mistreating her for many, many years um, and had started to become abusive. So obviously Paige's friend and Paige's dad became concerned and eventually Paige's dad actually set up a fund for them just in case Paige needed to escape. Wait, her dad set up an escape fund for her? Yeah, he did. He, he set up an escape fund for her because he was worried about her. Um, And so in October 2004, Paige made a distressing 911 call and said that he had been in a fight with her and had told her to leave, basically, but said, leave me with the kids. And so obviously Paige left peacefully. But soon after she left, her husband, Rob, gave her a call and said, when you come back, your kids are going to be dead. What? Where? Is this in America? Yes, it's in America. It's in America. It's in America. Where? Um, it's, that's, I forgot where. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. They're in, they're in America. Wait. I want to say Colorado, but I might be wrong. That's not even in America. Is it? Is it in America? Colorado is in America. Yeah. See, I knew my geography was getting better. Anyway, <laughs> right. So, <laughs> so, um, okay. So, wait. After, how many kids they, do they have? They have three kids. And the and the wife left the house, and he was like, "When you come back, your kids are gonna be dead." Yeah, he said, no, I'm killing them. So obviously Paige rushed back. The police came back and they managed to defuse the situation, but no charges were placed. So they left it. They left this guy. He said he was going to kill his kids. Um, So a year later, Paige called again, reporting physical abuse. And I think this is actually, that's actually when her dad decided to set up the getaway fund. So um, finally, after those eight years, they got divorced. 
they got divorced. And so Paige was left trying to figure out how to rebuild this like rich life that they've been living. And mm -hmm. so she managed to get funds together and buy herself a really lovely house. And it was a three bedroom house, I think, but um, her friend reported that Paige would always stay in her room with her kids. Like she was really, really close to her kids. Um, soon after this, she started a romance with her first husband. So she'd been married soon after um, graduating. And I think she'd just been with this guy for a few months or maybe a year or so. They don't actually say it in the, in the article I was reading. So, okay, so she, the abusive husband was her second husband. Yeah, so the, he was the second husband. Okay. And so she, she began a romance again after divorcing her, first, her second husband with her first husband. Does that, that make sense? Yeah, she's she yeah. yeah she's back with the first guy. Yeah, classic, so she goes back. classic going yeah, back to the yeah, ex. Love that, <laughs> love um, that for you, Paige. <laughs> so Thursday, June twenty eighth, Paige went and met her first husband, who was called Ron. So he lived two hundred fifty miles away, and they met halfway and had a picnic, and then went um in got in their cars and went home. As far as Ron knew. So it got to 11 p.m. and Paige still wasn't back home. And there are voicemails which are really upsetting of her kid calling and saying, Mom, why are you not back? I, I'm really upset, like crying down her phone. Um, and then, um, so everyone's concerned. Everyone's looking for Paige. No one knows where Paige is. And then this is when Paige's second life comes to surface and everyone realizes that Paige also worked as a sex worker. What? Yeah. So Paige was in order to, I guess it was to maintain the lifestyle she was trying to live. So she had all these other little businesses on the side, but on top of that, she was also working as a sex worker. I get it. And, yeah. And I, I mean, like, I get it. I was going to sell like photos of my feet, but nobody wanted And them. I mean, like you, you got to do what you got to do. Um, so she, she was working under the name Carrie. And so when the police went through her phone, they realized that there had been, calls exchanged between herself and another phone just before she disappeared mm. and when they tracked it back they tracked it back to a guy called lester jones lester jones but he he was identifying himself as a guy called jim on this website so he wasn't using his real name so his fake name's jim real name's lester jones are we keeping up is this making sense yeah, but maybe, maybe slow down just a bit because I'm, okay, yeah, I got okay, it. Okay, okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay, so we're with, we're with Lester Jones now, right? Yeah, we are. Okay, and so three days after Paige had disappeared, um, a car was reported as burning in a car park outside of a shop. For the Americans, so a car park is just a parking lot. What is that? Is that actually? A th I didn't even realize they were identified as different things. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. So she's in the parking lot, aka the car park. Yeah. Um. So we've got the car burning in the parking lot, and it turns out that Lester Jones works a stone's throw away from where this car is burning. So they look into Lester Jones more, and they find that he had been convicted in 1999 for um kidnap and sexual assault of his wife wow. right okay so now obviously they're looking into him more and we're suspicious of lester jones and so they ask him where he was on the night that Paige disappeared and he says that he'd actually gone to the shop to go and turn off the lights but he doesn't know Paige. 
he's he's claiming he has no idea who the hell she is and like is but at, at this point the police have like the records of him and like his his fake name jim yeah yeah they have the police have everything at this point and like so obviously they haven't i don't think they've told him but they're saying to him in the interview they're like are you not worried that we have all this like are you not worried that you work a stone's throw away from where this car was found and that you use the service that Paige was using to sell um her services and he's like no i'm not worried at all Dude, like completely unbothered don't shit where you eat just like put, like put the car somewhere else not in your driveway exactly exactly okay but he was he's quite old i don't think they ever state how old he is but he seemed quite old when this interview was taking place so he I mean, he's not He's not all with it. Can you imagine, like, being a newborn baby called Lester? Except this is... And that's what I was trying to understand. Obviously, no offense to anyone called Lester out there. Love that name. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we've got the, we've, we, um, So people are looking for Paige still, because obviously her body's not inside the car mm-hmm. when it's found burning. Mm-hmm. So we were looking for Paige, and they find, like, a 15-mile a um, trail of loads of documents that i guess Paige has thrown out of the window when lester was um had, had taken her but she she'd left a trail but then it stopped and so then they, they couldn't find her body so obviously that's that's a bit of a gap in the case mm. and so it, it nothing ever happened with this case rachel they left it for nine years and um, so they had all this stuff they have all this stuff on lester oh, oh i forgot to mention that when they went to lester's shop the police went to his shop and they found um, a food processor from where Paige worked. <gasps> they found a gas canister, which I guess you would have used to light the car on fire. Yeah. And they found bra sizes of loads of sex workers and and um, bras. Bra, yeah, bra sizes and and a bra that would have fit Paige. So they've got all these things that would link him to the to the murder and the kidnap, etc. But they they still left it, and I think. Okay. One of the police officers suggested that it was because the jury didn't believe that he could have done it and they were linking it back to the fact that she's a sex worker and not taking the case. They never enough. take sex workers' cases seriously. I know. But so, and so the the second husband, the one that said he was going to kill the kids, has nothing to do with this point. She just hooked up with another horrible person. Yeah. So they didn't, they didn't even end up looking into them because apparently I think they both had alibis. Right. And so the only person who's not making sense here is Lester. And so she just went missing after she had a picnic with her first husband. Yeah, and they didn't they didn't look into him because I I think his his phone was bouncing off towers that were closer to his home after she'd gone she'd gone missing. Got it. Okay. So they they all they all had alibis except for Lester. Okay, so we've got um up to where they would have been sentencing him hopefully, but they left that, and so we've moved on to nine and a half years later. And someone is on a walk, just taking a walk, and they come across a human skull Oof. in the mountains, um, which was 60 miles away from where the car had been found. Mm. Um, and so he obviously calls it in, and then they find that it is Paige's skull. The skull had been wrapped in duct tape around <gasps> her jaw, which was horrible. Yeah. Um, so obviously now they've got a body, right? So they can take it to court. So they, they took it to court. And I mean, just just before, I think it was in the middle of when they were doing the sentencing or when they were, when when the trial was taking place. There's a call that took place. The police had one of 
Leicester's cars impounded. I'm not sure why. They didn't say why. But the police called. I'm just going to read out what they said. So mm-hmm. the police called and said, if you need us to bring one car to you or come pick you up, we can do that for you. And so then Lester replies saying, I don't think so. And the police is like, Mr. Jones, I don't think I'm following you. And Mr. Jones says, you asked me where I would bury a body. And the police are like, I'm sorry. And he was like, you asked me where I should bury a body. And then the police are like, when did I ask that? So it's just like, it's just like he exposed himself. Wait. Do you, do you get what I'm saying? So the police have called him. Yeah. Nothing nothing to do with the case. Nothing to do with Paige's case. And have said, Mr. Jones, we have a car that we can bring to you because we have yours impounded. Got and it. so, like, what, what do you want us to do? And he says, I don't think so. So I think he's, I don't know whether he's started to go delusional. Right. But he exposes himself and says, you asked me where I'd bury a body. Oh, so obviously, my God. Yeah. So that's used in court. And I mean, he's he's convicted, and they put him away for the rest of his life on um, murder and first degree. So Lester Jones, nine and a half years after, yeah, goes to jail, life sentence. But mm-hmm. he never says how he did it, or no. what, you never find out what actually happened to her. No, he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't ever tell anyone. Or well, as far as I could find. And what is her name? Paige. Paige Bird, Bird, Birchfield. Birchfield. Yeah. And she just left like three kids behind and with yeah. a horrible father. Exactly. And I, I can't imagine how Ron must have felt knowing he was the last person to see her and thought she was headed on her way home. Right. Poor Ron. She's just with men who have terrible names. What was her first, her second? Rob and Ron. Rob, Ron, and Lester. It's just, honestly, it's not, it's not great. Guess I married the wrong Nygaard then. It's okay. It's now the time. Yeah, it's Lester Nygaard. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so that's that's Paige's story. But the, the, the part that stood out to me the most, Rachel, and the reason why I decided to talk about the story is him exposing himself, which will relate back to a story we're going to talk about at some point later on. I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, I'm so excited to talk about it. You know, okay, I won't say anything. Cause... Yeah, I, was, I, I, almost, <laughs> I almost said something just before I, I said that last part. I won't say anything. That's That's crazy. I did not ever hear about her. I feel like... Every time I hear about something new or like a cold case, I'm like, how many people are murdered? I know. I know. And in this way. And also, I can't, I just cannot imagine. Obviously, I couldn't imagine ever killing someone, right? But I can't imagine exposing Mm. myself like that. Well, he must have, you said he was old right he must have yeah he must have lost his fucking mind or maybe he was just like riddled with uh guilt and just said something but i doubt it because it's been nine and a half years he's not yeah his his name's lester i just (laughs) i just can't believe it took nine and a half years for anything to be done about it her poor family but i mean he's away now he's he's been put away I wonder if he committed any other crimes during the nine and a half years or before this crime. Mm, that'd be interesting. I might look into that one. Maybe you should look into that. I'm going to look into that one. Fuck. Okay. Well, that was... That was intense. I feel happier in the pandemic now. Same. 
<laughs> all these great stories. What are you doing the rest of the day? I am going to. Oh my god, I'm cooking lasagna. Okay. I'm gonna make a fat lasagna. So, oh my god, because you know, I don't know whether you're religious at all, but it's Lent. Yeah. Lent. Oh right, we're coming upon mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. So obviously, yesterday was pancake day. Felt like I was gonna die. Is that why everyone I... was having pancakes on social media? Yes, that's what it was. What's pancake day? How's that religious? I couldn't. I couldn't tell you. But all I know is I, I overate. I ate too many pancakes. You can't. It's just... Wait, I had too many pancakes. And now I feel like Gary looks. <gasps> <laughs> Gary, you look perfect. You're beautiful, baby. Don't let anyone tell you different. <sighs> Gary is going to... I need to um, I need to give him a little bit less food for breakfast. I'm being the same. Yeah. Okay, so you're making a lasagna. <laughs> I'm making a lasagna. I'm making a fat lasagna because i gave up sweets today what are you giving up are you giving anything up no i've already given up everything what do you mean my i am stuck inside all day every day okay I fine don't... to be fair that's a good point you know yeah what else like if there's anything else i give up i'll just it'll be my life you know like okay, okay. is that too dark so now you've got me thinking, and maybe I should rethink my my. Oh no my, no 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 no! You had already no, chosen to give up. You said up. it, Rachel. You said it, and so I'm gonna. I'm. I'm. I mean, I'm gonna go in now. I'm gonna say, Do you know what? Give me the sweets. You deserve That's it. Awesome. Yeah. Exactly, and it's what I'm saying. <laughs> don't don't tell don't tell them that I put you on. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say. Rachel said we've already given up so much. Give me my sweets. Rachel said the only thing left to give up is your life. <laughs> exactly. And it's, I mean, that's the most, that's the realest thing I've heard this year. So that's cool. What are you doing for the rest of the day, please? Um, well, I'll stare at Gary for a bit. I always block okay. out some time for that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've already showered today. So. What time is it? Yeah, no, well, it's, it's 12.38, but I showered at, like, 8.30, because then I had... You were up at 8.30? I set my alarm for 8... Well, Gary is my alarm at 8.30 every morning. He starts crying because he wants to go... <laughs> he wants to go O-U-T. Um, okay. So I... And then I took him to the vet, and then I got my coffee, and I came back, and, I, and then I talked to you. Um, I need to do a lot of reading for school, and then mm-hmm. do up my research proposal, and then... I'm reading this book called The Monster of Florence, which okay. is um, about the basically he's the Jack the Ripper of Italy. And this is set in the 70s. So maybe after I finish this book, I can I can tell that story. Um, it's like 400 pages or something, though, and I'm only reading a bit a day. I'll try to read fast. Well, I'm excited to hear about that one. It's it's really it's really fucked so far i'm yep. on page like 40 so i'll probably do a bit of that and then cool. and then um and then stare at gary a bit more and it uh, sounds very romantic yeah and then every night my flatmates and i when we're getting ready for bed they're like okay see you tomorrow and it's like yep <laughs> i will see you tomorrow <laughs> and it's like okay good night we're almost there though i just i mean i i have this feeling we're about to be out of lockdown i don't know what it is okay <laughs> we're almost there i feel like boris johnson just said it was gonna be okay well you know what i like your positive thinking thank you should we should i sign off um should we say thanks for listening to our first episode and hope <laughs> it wasn't like so excruciatingly painful <laughs>
<laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. Okay. Bye. Bye.